It's a simple recipe, but it would mean so much to me. Turn on the gas and make me feel fine. All I wanna say is, just give me some hot pizza. Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of Financial Pizza. Steve Siddall here, and this is the only podcast that features clips and other stuff from some of the best financial advisors heard on radio and in podcasts all around the country every week. And it comes to you hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. Good stuff this week, including Russ Hackman. He's got his thoughts on the volatile market. Richard Pelletier says you've got to have your own financial philosophy getting to retirement. Joe Murphy talks about creating balance in your portfolio. Gary Nolan has planned a trip for us back to 1955. And I've got a broker's behaving badly. All that's coming up. But first, let's review the week that was. That was the week that was. It's over. Let it go. That was the week that was. It started way Where do we even begin? All right, how about this? Meta, Facebook, hit a 52-week low on Thursday, closing below $100 per share. That's a 22% loss. Speaking of losses, founder Mark Zuckerberg's net worth dropped $11 billion after less than a good quarter. Translation, Zuckerberg's current net worth is $38.1 billion. Doesn't sound too bad, but it was... $142 billion in September of 2021. Well, there's still plenty of talk about a recession, and this time the 10-year bond note yield fell below the three-month bill, and that's a rare occurrence. It signals investors anticipate dire economic consequences of the Fed's campaign against inflation. Well, look for the Fed to bump interest rates again when they meet next week. In the home buying and selling world, interest rates have topped 7% for the first time in more than 20 years. According to Freddie Mac, a 30-year fixed mortgage rose to 7.16%. A year ago, rates were already on the rise, but they hung in there at 3.4%. And in data released Tuesday, it's showing a measure of home prices in 20 large cities fell 1.3% in August on a month-over-month basis. That's the most since March of 2009. Well, Thanksgiving is around the corner, plans are being made, and you can plan on spending a bit more for your turkey this year. As if inflation wasn't enough, now we've got a new strain of avian flu that's taking down turkeys by the millions. Yep, some 6 million turkeys were eliminated. That's about 14% of all the turkeys in the country. Remember that old adage, last hired, first fired? Well, it's being supplanted by remote employees being let go. In fact, in one large-scale study by Beautiful AI, they're the folks that create business presentation software, it found 60% of managers said, yeah, remote workers, probably going to get laid off first. Authorities in Nebraska are asking, where's the beef? Well, sometime during the summer, several semi-trailers loaded with frozen beef worth about a million dollars were stolen. Investigators say it was a targeted theft ring specializing in beef and pork. And now authorities say they've arrested three men. Where? In Miami. They're charged with transporting stolen goods, among other things. Still no word on just where that original beef ended up. I enjoy a guy with a sense of humor. Elon Musk comes to mind. He walked into Twitter HQ carrying a porcelain sink and tweeted... Entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in. <laughs> I enjoy, he likes to kind of poke the bear. By the way, Musk's deal to buy Twitter is complete, and he's already fired the top three executives. 
All right, let's get this pizza cooking. For that, we meet Russ Hackman in Boston. He says we saw some stabilization in the markets last week. Russ Hackman has spent the early part of his career on Wall Street trading desks. He points to factors that could have a role in the stabilization. It, it sort of seems like, you know, week to week, Dave, we can go from, gee, the week was a disaster to, hey, looks like some signs of uh, positivity, at least in the uh, stock market, to some extent in the bond market. And we have indeed seen that in the last several days where you've seen the markets uh, bounce off the lows. You've seen some stabilization of bonds and bond funds. And I think that that is attributable to, uh, you know, a sense that, number one, things have gotten a little what they call oversold a couple weeks ago in terms of so much pessimism mm-hmm. out there in the market. And then secondly, uh, some perception that the Fed is realizing that with almost and there's starting to be some, you know, you read the tea leaves from the different things that Fed speakers say on different days, even outside of their formal meetings, that they're getting a sense that, you know, some of the inflation numbers, even though there's high are starting to trend in the right direction. If you see some of the underlying price trends and things like um some energy costs, at least in the U.S., uh, some raw materials costs, uh, housing market is softening a little bit, that there are signs that inflation, at least the rate of inflation may have peaked, that the Fed itself may be starting to understand that increasing rates so fast has been very disruptive to global markets. We talked about you know what happened with the euro and the pound and I know some of this can be a little obscure for some of our listeners, but you know, basically the Fed tightening has induced turbulence, and there's some sense that that pace of tightening will abate, and uh, hopefully inflation will start trending down towards 4% next year. And that being said, that'll allow the markets to calm down a little bit. Russ Hackman is president of Hackman Wealth Partners. His show is The Wall Street Sweeper. It airs Saturday mornings at 10.30, Sunday mornings at 9 on WRKO in Boston, and Saturday mornings at 7 on WICC. You can visit hackmanwealth.com to learn more. Pizza! Now we take a trip all the way back to 1955. Gary Nolan is guiding us through the years. Through the years. Let's take a trip back in time. Back in time. The year is 1955. The U.S. Nautilus becomes the first operational nuclear-powered submarine. Three years earlier, the keel was laid at General Dynamics Boat Division by President Harry S. This ship will be something new in the world. She will be a sonic power. Her engines will not burn oil or coal. In April, it was announced to the world that the Jonas Salk polio vaccine was determined to be safe and highly effective in preventing the disease. It's a day of triumph for 40-year-old Dr. Jonas E. Salk, developer of the vaccine. Hundreds of reporters and scientists from all over the nation gather for the momentous announcement. In October of that year, the original Mickey Mouse Club television program made its debut on ABC. We are the Merry also that year, Rosa Parks refused to give up a bus seat to a white passenger on December 1st. Parks is arrested for a violation of Alabama segregation laws by refusing to follow orders from the bus driver. Seats had been occupied in the front. He wanted to know if I was going to stand. I told him I was not, and he told me he would have me arrested. I told him he may do that. 
It was Ray Kroc who started the McDonald's fast food chain that year. After World War II, he started out selling milkshake mixers. Kroc was impressed by the McDonald's brothers who had purchased eight of his multi-mixers for their San Bernardino, California restaurant and visited them in 1954. The McDonald brothers weren't interested in expansion. Well, I said, why don't you get somebody to do it? They said, well, we don't know anybody who want to do it. I said, well, how about me? He said, do you want to bother with it? Sure. The Disneyland Resort and Theme Park, located in Anaheim, California, opens its doors in July. This afternoon, Disneyland, the world's most fabulous kingdom, will be unveiled before an invitational world premiere. To get into the park, it costs $1 for adults, 50 cents for children, not bad considering you were paid $1 an hour or about $4,100 per year. Your rent was about $87 a month, gas 23 cents, and that new car which cost you $1,900. So that's it for 1955. I guess it's time to wish upon a star. We've now arrived back in the present. Hope you enjoyed the trip. Here's to a smooth ride into retirement. Joe Murphy's up next. Here he is talking about that transition period from saving to distribution and preservation. He says, think of it as reverse engineering your savings to help you get to retirement. I love that reverse engineer. And that's almost exactly what, what has to happen. Um, the biggest thing, Steve, is not, you know, the, the math of, of moving towards a, a new phase of life, that income phase of life it becomes almost a psychological deal. And that transitional period can be difficult for some people. And what we'll see is usually extremes. Like, like most things in life, the answer lies in the middle, but we'll see some clients that penny pinch, no matter how much money they have, they're gonna be so frugal. They're not gonna enjoy or feel that they can enjoy those assets that they've saved. They wanna, they wanna hold on to it because they're so scared. Maybe they're depression error, or maybe you know they, they just went through a, a period where spending just isn't, lavish spending just isn't part of their personality type. So we have those, and then we have those that go into retirement, like, woohoo, we're firing this thing up. You know, the first phase of retirement is usually the most expensive because you're trying to knock out that bucket list. Sometimes we have to bring people back a little bit, Steve. So there's extremes on both ends. We try and create balance. And that usually means that we have to pull one side over a little bit more towards the middle or the other side of the middle. And like I said, it becomes kind of like a, a, a partnership in retirement where we're saying, look, if you do this, here's where the math is going to come out. And, you know, especially with the spenders in the early part, not understanding that this may have to last for 20, 30, even 40 years without additional income. It needs a plan. Guys, do not go into retirement in this environment with inflation running, stocks being so volatile without some type of plan or guidance from a professional that's been through it before. And you, you talk about income and creating that income. How do we do that, Joe? I mean, in terms of, you know, I've got 401k, maybe I've got a Roth. I mean, there are so many pieces to the puzzle. That's where you come in, isn't it? I mean, you understand that and can you know, map this thing out and make use of everything. Absolutely. The first thing that we're going to do, Steve, is an inventory. You know, we want to inventory the tax status account, where the assets are held. When we're creating a future income plan, we have, we're independent here. So I'm not locked into, you know, a, a bank product or, you know, one proprietary product from one of the big name brokers. We have everything at our disposal. So income sources, like anything, if you look at, you know, the high net worth, the very successful, you know, multimillionaires, they have 
different streams of revenue coming in. We want to duplicate that out of the assets. We don't want to just depend on social security. We don't just depend on an annuity. We want to create multiple streams of income for our client. It's really important that we not only diversify the tax status uh, classification, but also where the income is coming in. Because remember, I love investments and I love dividend payers. And a lot of people use those dividends as income. But remember, they're not guaranteed. You know, you could run into problems if we go into an environment where earnings just aren't there and you're, you know, you have everything in a couple companies, blue chippers that may go through some cash struggles. They might cut dividends. Then where are you? That's why having a well-balanced plan, especially on the income side, to create streams of income that you cannot outlive are absolutely imperative to creating a successful plan for the future. Reach out to Joe, see if he may be able to help you. You can catch Joe's show, Wealth Health Radio, Sundays at noon on AM 560, The Answer, W-I-N-D, Chicago. You can also find his podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit the website, mwmfinancial.tax. That's mwmfinancial.tax. Pizza! And now, let's meet this week's broker behaving badly. The Financial Safari News Network presents Brokers Behaving Badly. Here's the story of a guy that was so bad, the SEC still wants him, even in death. The SEC says the late Stephen Swenson was allegedly operating a fraudulent multi-year investment, getting $29.3 million from more than 50 investors. Swenson died back in June. He was just 50 years old. Now, the complaint says in part Swenson continues to violate the federal securities laws by disseminating false and misleading statements to investors. In addition to his businesses, the complaint named Swenson's widow, 51-year-old Wendy Swenson, 30-year-old Saria Rodriguez, also of Utah, and three other businesses with ties to Swenson as a relief defendant. Both received proceeds from Swenson's fraud, for which they had no legitimate claim. Since 2011, Swenson convinced investors to invest in Crew Capital Group. His method included telling people that Crew Capital was a safe investment fund. Returns, he said, would be at least 5%, up to 10%, telling some investors their money would be safest to add a fund at the Bank of Utah. That doesn't exist. The money was really going to a Crew Capital account that was a Wells Fargo bank. The SEC said he had victims sign a letter of authorization so that Swenson could have access to the funds in their IRA accounts. Once the money hit their accounts, Swenson instructed the Bank of Utah to wire the funds to Cruz Capital account at Wells Fargo. The complaint says at the time of his death, Swenson had raised at least $29.3 million in investor funds through the fraudulent schemes. He used some of the money to make Ponzi-like payments of returns to investors. A bunch of money was spent on himself, and he was busy doing it, taking care of living expenses for his family, as well as at least two mistresses. And then there were the private airplanes, a home or two, a bunch of really nice cars. Oh, he also funded his other businesses with the ill-gotten gain. The SEC's complaint charges Swenson and Crew Capital with violating the anti-fraud provisions of the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act. The SEC is seeking permanent injunction against Crew Capital and disgorgement with prejudgment interest in Swenson's estate and Crew Capital. That's just one more reason to make sure you are dealing with a true fiduciary. Pizza! One more clip and this pizza will be complete. Sliced, boxed, and ready for that digital delivery. 
we're going to check in with Richard Pelletier in Massachusetts. In this clip, I ask Richard if after more than 40 years in the financial business, if he has his own philosophy on investing in retirement. <laughs> well, I think you have to have your own investor's philosophy, which we try to get and extract from people or develop when we're onboarding new clients. But overriding for most of our clients who are near retirement uh, or in retirement, the number one philosophy is uh, don't lose my money. Right. That's <laughs> <Okay>? key. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, if you go with your gut, you're, you're using intuition. That's subject to so many different emotional variants that sooner or later it's going to help you. And then down on the other side of the hill, it's going to really, really hurt you. So again, it's better to have some sort of academic formula, uh, some some strategy which is based on a, uh, a set of rules which have applied uh, will work both in good new markets and bad markets. Well, and again, that that's that whole repeatable philosophy. In other words, we need to be able to keep doing this for you know as long as we're alive. I had a very wealthy client in the other day, and we're looking at a huge portfolio. He has of bank CDs, and uh, we're looking at his 1099 from the banks to him on his tax return. He had a million one hundred thousand dollars in various banks. The total interest paid in a year was sixty four hundred dollars. That's it. Do the mathematics. Sixty four hundred dollars on a million one works out to sixty percent of one percent per year. Wow. Okay, think of a fat kid sitting on the other end of a seesaw when you were a kid. I know. Where are you? You're up in the air about five feet off the ground, dangling your legs, and you can't get any traction. All right? So when you start taking a look at a philosophy, if you have a huge amount of money underperforming and a large amount, a smaller amount of money, or even an equal amount doing quite well, the overall is the mean between the two weighted. And uh, boy, I tell you, that fat kid can really drop down the performance of the other end, which is high performance, to the point where you're barely making three or 4% growth a year, or a negative number. So it's the philosophy has to be each particular asset contributes something. Liquidity in a bank is important. Interest rates are horrible. But do you have a million dollars in the bank? Of course not. You may have 50 grand if you're quite well to do. You're not going to have a million dollars. Right. Well, and, and again, so obviously you were able to sort of guide him into something that, that was more productive. Well, we, again, you're not going to take the money out of the bank and go into pork belly futures in a stock market, which is <laughs> well, extremely risky. No, you just move that little kid off the end of that particular seesaw and you go from a, a rate of, uh, I guess it was like, like I said, about 60% of 1%, yeah. let's say less than 1%. People understand a little bit I better. Get that, yeah. I moved them into some safer assets that were paying four. Well, that doesn't sound like much, but it's four times the interest on a lot of money. Therefore, it make the other job in the stock market assets a lot less risky to come up with the same or comparable rate of return. So, you're able to have that philosophy. Listen, let's take a look at the entire portfolio. Let's make sure each one of them does some contribution. You wanted a lot of liquidity, that's fine. But liquidity is costing you a negative 7%. Where's the negative 7% come? If you're getting less than 1% added to your account, but the economy is taking away 8% inflation, it's a negative 7% per year in purchasing power. 
and I mean, again, these are the kinds of things that and the kind of discussions that you have every day with folks, because I know people are concerned right now, um, you know, with the volatility that's out there. And I think for a lot of us, we start to feel this volatility and we say, oh, my gosh, that's my retirement. I got to do something. I got to do something. And and in, in reality, maybe you don't. Well, again, we have a very large portfolio which is taxed, tactically managed, that has been taking the client's money and gone out of the stock market at the beginning of the summer, moved back into the stock market in the early part of August, where the market did go up a little bit, and three weeks later reversed themselves and came completely out of the stock market. Today, that account is mostly in cash and short-term government bonds, emphasis on the word short-term. So it's in a liquid position, waiting to see evidence of recovery, and then we will do what we did in COVID. We'll have a lot of cash to buy things on a, a hell of a discount. So it's the end of the year that counts. Now, this year, we have an election coming up. We have the Federal Reserve coming in November again. Uh, there's rumors or some sort of discussion going on that they may be backing away from a very aggressive rate increase after rate increase, which has really crashed the bond market significantly in the beginning of the first quarter, the end of the first quarter, rather. Uh, so uh, I don't see that evidence where the Federal Reserve is going to do that. But other people are probably smarter than I am do. So the answer is we don't know until we're told uh, on the Federal Reserve meeting. I think that's going to have a profound effect on the fact that there is going to be a quicker recovery, a soft landing for the recession, or it's not going to be a quick recovery, and it's going to be a very rough and long recession. Always fun to talk with Richard. With more than 40 years in this business, he certainly has insight that very few advisors have. You can catch Richard and the Financial Safari Saturday mornings at 9 on News Radio 560 WHYN in Springfield, Massachusetts. You can stream it on the iHeartRadio app. Learn more by visiting the website helptoretire.com. That's helptoretire.com. So that's it. Episode 167 of Financial Pizza, ready for that digital delivery. Financial Pizza features clips and more from some great financial advisors helping people get to and through retirement. They do it every week. We bring it to you hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. And if you'd like Financial Pizza delivered to you, just subscribe to it, and we'll put it in your podcast collection automatically. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as long as you're subscribing, be sure and rate and share the podcast. Really appreciate that. If you want to reach me, send me an email, steve at financialpizza.com. I want to thank Dave Perkins, Gary Nolan, and Chrissy Paradis for contributing to this week's podcast. Financial Pizza is produced and written by me, Steve Sadal, and originates from the palatial studios of broadcasting experts in Apex, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really do appreciate it. And we're going to see you next week right here on Financial Pizza. I'm Steve Siddall. Pizza. Coach P Radio. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruta or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Individuals should thoroughly review the contract for specific details of the product features and costs. Income payments and withdrawals from deferred annuities are generally taxable as ordinary income in the year they are taken. Money management is provided by Equus Capital Management. Equus is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in San Rafael, California. Investment advice by Capital Financial Advisory Group, LLC, a North Carolina-registered investment advisor.
Insurance advice given by Capital Financial and Insurance, a North Carolina licensed insurance agency.